Pruning is for the sake of the whole plant. Pruning is for the sake of the harvest. Pruning is for the sake of the vineyard. And it's not just an individual, but that we go through this process for the sake of others so that together we might harvest this, this fruit of justice, which is the true authentic fruit of a, of a Jesus kingdom. From Chicago, it's the Old St. Pat's podcast Sunday series, a show that highlights weekly reflections from Old St. Patrick's Church. Nature is a great teacher. And in this past Sunday's gospel, Jesus points to the example of the vine and the branches. He reminds us that a branch must remain on the vine in order to grow fruit, and that branches must be trimmed to grow even more fruit. Today, Father Ed Foley does a great job explaining how important pruning is in our own lives and in our communities so that our world can bear the fruits of love, hope, and justice. Given all the references to the natural world that so frequently punctuate the readings, especially the gospel, I often wondered if it would have been more beneficial than all of those philosophy courses that I had to do as an undergraduate, if it would have been better if I studied some of the natural sciences, biology or animal husbandry or agriculture or anything that would help me understand more what Jesus is talking about. He is continuously talking about the natural world but foxes and sparrows and mustard seeds and lilies and, and fig trees and yeast. And when he isn't talking about it, he's knee deep in loaves and fishes and sheep and herds of pigs and grain fields and seashores. Um, when it comes to today's gospel, I, I don't know very much about horticulture or viniculture. Now, don't get me wrong, I do want to know how to open, open a, a wine bottle. I'm pretty good with the corkscrew. Uh, I can tell the difference between a Malbec, you know, and a Shiraz, and I, I, I'm, I could do a pretty mean decanting of a really uh, great bottle of wine. But consumption is not the key to this gospel. Uh, this gospel has something much more to do with, with the pruning that goes on, the pruning that is so important for bearing fruit. Uh, so the last week, uh, or two, actually, I've been reading uh, scientific articles about why pruning is so essential, uh, especially for grapevines. Surprising me, the people who are writing most on this these days are not uh, agriculturalists or, or uh, vintners, but scientists who specialize in things like molecular genetics and, and computer modeling. Uh, I read an article by two such scientists who gave me a very a, a different insight into what's going on in this pruning process. Uh, because one of the things that they made clear to me is that all the tips of, of plants, like something like a grapevine, are actually in competition with each other. And they give off these hormones that go into the stem, deep into the vine, and that, that helps, that's what helps them grow. And because they're in competition, some of these that are very, very strong actually block other uh, of the shoot tips to actually get into the game. It's sort of like trying to get on a crowded highway when the side roads are being blocked by this jammed highway. And so the pruning is really essential because what it does is it sort of levels the playing field and it lets all of these different aspects of, of a plant get back into the game and engage in this exchange of hormones and life-giving juices. Uh, this is a very, very important process, especially for grapevines, because unpruned grapevines, if you've ever seen them, they grow just like crazy wild. They've got these cascades of leaves on them, but there's not much energy left over for actually the grapes. 
And the other thing that was interesting, for me anyway, is that parallel to, uh, to the pruning process is what they call a training process for the vine. Um, that you actually have to train vines, first of all, to grow, horiz or grow vertical, so that they can move up towards the sun and then across these horizontal trellises so that they're, they're easier to prune, they get more sun, they, they produce more fruit. And one of the things that, as I was doing this little excursion that struck me um, in this information is that there's an aspect of this gospel that I think I seriously overlooked. I've heard this gospel many times before, I preached on it a lot, but my instinct, what the, what the gospel was about is Jesus is the vine and I'm the branch and my job is to stay connected to Jesus. And there's pruning going on, of course, pruning myself of attitudes and practices and afflictions and addictions that, that stop me from being engaged with the life of, of Christ. But what I missed that the pruning experts make really clear is that it's not just for my life that pruning is for the sake of the whole plant. Pruning is for the sake of the harvest. Pruning is for the sake of the vineyard. And it's not just an individual, but that we go through this process for the sake of others so that together we might harvest this, this fruit of justice, which is the true authentic uh, fruit of a, of a Jesus kingdom. That insight sort of pushed me back into the Gospels and made me recollect all of these different stories, one of which we get a little hint of in the first reading, of how Jesus spent a lot of time pruning his disciples, not just for their personal well-being, but for the sake of mission. You may remember, for example, there's a story, a famous story in, in the Gospel of Matthew where the sons of Zebedee, these, these two brothers, you know, their mother brings them up to Jesus and says, you know, these are really good boys. They've got MBAs. They do really well in your new corporation. You know, why don't you give them a leg up? And Jesus does a little pruning there and asks, can they drink of the cup? The cup that he struggles with in Gethsemane. And then after that, he gives a, an instruction to them and the other disciples about not lording it over each other, about a kind of ministry that's a servant ministry for the sake of the whole group. You see Peter, the prince of the apostles, there's probably nobody in the gospel that gets pruned more than Peter. All right? uh, Peter is the only person in the gospel. He makes this great profession of faith. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And just moments later, Jesus calls him Satan. The only person in the whole gospel Jesus ever calls anybody Satan because he, he rebukes Jesus for foretelling his own death. Peter gets pruned. Probably one of the most touching ones is at the very end of the gospel of John. You remember Peter denounces Jesus three times. And at the very end of the gospel of John, Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter, of course, you know I love you. But Jesus' response is not good for you, Peter. It's feed my lambs, feed my sheep. It's for the sake of the community. We've all had experiences of being pruned, of being trimmed back, of being diminished, sometimes abridged. It's amazing how many of those memories stick with us. A lot of them were not nourishing. They were not for the sake of the community. Um, I was looking on the internet, there was a whole section on the internet where people recall stories 
20, 30, 40, 50 years ago when they were in school and what the teacher said to them, what the coach said to them. You probably have your, all your own stories about how you got pruned and it stays with you. Sometimes the pruning is destructive, even abusive. I remember there's a section from this incredible memoir by um, Damon Tweedy, Black Man in a White Coat. Uh, he was an African-American kid who went to public schools. He didn't have any uh, prestigious background. He didn't get into any great private you know, colleges or prep schools. But because of affirmative action, he actually got into a very prestigious medical school at Duke University. And he tells this story. He tells many of them, but one of the stories he tells is about being in this large lecture class. And you know, these medical students, sometimes there'll be 200, 300 of them in some of these big physiology classes or biochemistry or... And during a break in the lecture, while the students were milling around, this professor who's always up on stage, never interacts with students, comes down off the stage and makes a beeline for Tweedy. And he says to him, are you here to fix the lights? Tweedy didn't understand the inquiry. He, he, you know, he looked down, he said, I'm wearing the right preppy outfit. I've got the khakis on, I've got the blue polo. I, he, he said, I don't know what you're talking about. And he pointed to a section of the auditorium where the lights are low. He said, I called maintenance weeks ago. Are you here to fix the lights? And he says, I'm not here to fix the lights. And the professor says, then what are you doing in my class? And he says, I'm your student. This prompted the irritated professor to turn without a word, return to the front of the room, slamming the door on the dignity of a young man who is deemed worthy only to be there because he was on a maintenance staff. That, in my estimation, is not pruning, but professional abuse. And the difference between the two is what Paul tells us, I mean, uh, what we get in that second reading from Paul, or from the Acts of the Apostles, uh, from John, I guess it is. It's about loving one another. The standard is, do we show love? Do we care for each other? While scars from past diminishments inflicted by others may be part of the hidden spirituality of today's gospel, which calls us to um, maybe be aware of how we are all being pruned by nature and how we deal with our own self-diminishment. We're all growing older. Some of us are getting sicker. Some of us are moving past our intellectual or physical prime. Unless you're a professional athlete, if you're over 27, you're moving past your physical prime. Some of us are moving past our employability. Our abilities to play the game with the same vigor recedes. Our leadership skills start to atrophy. We become aware that nature itself is pruning us. We have a little apparent control over these declines. What we do have control over is how we respond. Whether or not we allow ourselves to be paired back in a spirit of generosity so that families and friends and communities, other people can bear fruit. Or do we hold on so tight, so tight to the control, so tight to want to being in the center, so tight about wanting to be in the spotlight that we keep other people on the margins? I have two great friends, long married, Jim and Evelyn Whitehead. Actually, we lost Evelyn last year. They wrote uh, this wonderful article on the spirituality of marriage. And it's a kind of autobiographical reflection on their own journey into more than 50 years of marriage. 
And they chart these various stages of marriage. And the last stage they chart, they call devotion. And they write this. In time, the shaping of aging love earns the name of devotion. Devotion is the enfleshed affection that survives illness and aging and enjoys growing old together. The ancient author Plutarch wrote, the love for a virtuous woman suffers no autumn, but flourishes even with gray hair. The Whiteheads write, by this point, child rearing is long gone, active careers are over, the couple's love becomes an affection nuanced by the awareness of final days, of threatening illness. They conclude such devotion might be called eros, with wrinkles. Nature prunes us all at one stage or another. The example of Jesus radically pruned on Golgotha stretched out on that trellis we call the cross invites us to an unlikely spirituality of diminishment. The devotion of stepping back so that others might flourish, being trimmed back so that others might have more sunlight receding to the margins so that somebody else can claim the center. And so with the poet we muse. There are moments when the veil seems almost to lift and we understand what the earth is meant to mean to us. The trees in their docility, the hills in their patience, the flowers and the vines in their wild, sweet vitality. Then the word is within us and the book is put away. Today we pray that the veil might lift a bit, that the Jesus word might truly be in us, eternally connecting us to the vine and all of its sweet vitality, whose gospel prunes us only for generosity so that we can help others bear fruit in a rich kingdom harvest. Through Christ our Lord and the church says, amen. Time now for announcements and events. Be sure to check out page two of the May 2nd Crossroads publication. Here you'll find a letter from Father Ken Simpson that will help you get to know him a little bit better. And learn how Old St. Pat's and North Lawndale neighbors are making a difference together in the city of Chicago in the first of seven monthly virtual tours hosted by Johnny Jones. Episode one, Opportunities for Life-Changing Reparations, is available at oldstpats.org slash n2n. Then check back this Wednesday, May 5th, for Episode 2, Places of Solace, Refuge, and Renewal. A look at Phoenix Hall, the Firehouse Community Arts Center, the Young Men's Education Network, the Learning Center, and the positive impact they all make. For all the details, please visit kinshipinitiative.org. This Friday, May 7th at noon, Father James Martin will be the guest speaker for the First Friday Club of Chicago. You might recognize Father Martin from his guest appearances on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert or from his recent book, Learning to Pray. On May 7th, he'll discuss his life-changing trip to the Holy Land. The virtual event is free. For all the details and to register, visit firstfridayclubchicago.org. Our low-income seniors need us more than ever. COVID-19, food deserts, and isolation have greatly increased the need for food in this vulnerable population. So please save the date for Sunday, May 23rd for the Little Brothers Friends of the Elderly Food Drive. The food drive will be in person and virtual. More information to come in the following weeks. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode. The homily was originally given at the live stream Mass on Sunday, May 2, 2021, by Father Ed Foley. For more information about all resources available, visit our website at oldstpats.org. To stay up to date with new episodes, please follow us on Spotify and Google Podcasts. Find us on Twitter at Old St. Pat's and on Instagram at Old St. Pat's Chicago. You've been listening to the Old St. Pat's Podcast.